0: Today's topic is how do we as animation professionals, quote unquote, Mm -hmm. determine the costs of animation productions? Yeah. My name is Will. <laughs> My name is Catherine. And this is Behind the Pixel, a podcast where we try to bridge the knowledge gap between those who buy creative content and those who make it. Yes. Bridging the knowledge gap, bridge. What are some famous bridges? Do you know some bridges?
1: I, I feel like I'm being asked a trivia question. Uh, <laughs> yes. The Golden many, Gate how, Bridge. How many bridges
0: can you name? Okay. Yeah, okay. okay. Good, the Golden, Golden Gate, Gate Bridge. bridge. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Uh,
1: the G Dubs, of course. Of course. That's uh, the George Washington Bridge for those who don't know. Um, <laughs> The bridge to Terabithia. Nice, nice. The only bridge I know is
0: like Bridgerton. Uh, Oh, boy. uh, Bridgestone. Bridgestone Tire. Yeah. My favorite, Jeff Bridges.
1: Boy, Jeff Bridges. Okay. Why don't we (laughs) build a bridge onto today's topic then?
0: Today's topic is how do we as animation professionals quote unquote, mm-hmm. determine the costs of animation productions.
1: Yeah. Cost big is question. a
0: big question. Big question. And this is, I think, going to be one of many episodes that we talk about costs in general because it's a big topic and there's a lot that goes into it. Yeah. So understanding costs is a big hurdle for anyone who doesn't do animation production and even, even sometimes for ourselves. Within there, we're
1: yeah. Right
0: <laughs> so we can't talk about it. From all angles, we Sadly. have a, a limited time here. But if you're working with an agency or a marketing firm, we're going to skip those because those folks, if you're an agency or marketing firm, you're doing way more stuff. You're doing strategy. You're doing something beyond just the production. And so, you, the way they charge might be entirely different. So, right, we can't we, really speak can to how speak they that. charge. Yeah, yeah. but w- where we can help, I think, is if you're someone who is purchasing this outside as an outside help, outsourcing or going to <laughs> what we've called in the past, the outhouse. Uh-huh. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Keep that joke going. Going
0: out, uh, meaning that you're working with a creative studio directly, right. right? You're trying to come to us directly, trying to figure out what what we're going to do together here. So let's get into this. Mm-hmm. So when marketing and communication professionals want to create animated content as part of their larger strategy, typically what we see is they look for referrals, right? They'll go out, okay. they'll ask someone they know they'll figure out what to do in terms of how to, how to get something done. Mm -hmm. And when, what they get back is, you know, they're shopping around and getting a bunch of estimates from a bunch of different studios, maybe three or four say, Mm -hmm. and you know, something feels off when you look at all those. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Like as a marketer, I'm kind of looking at, you know, each line item and I'm like, you know, there's a $2,000 ping pong table that's being charged here. Um, Um, what's, What's that? Yeah, well. <laughs> <laughs> I think the, the point here that we're making is that the estimates are kind of noticeably different, right? Between yeah. them and they're asking for the same request overall. Right. And that means that there's seemingly the same amount of steps required to do yeah. that job. So why are, you know, what's happening here? As a result, it really makes it frustrating to kind of know who to actually trust between mm. them as mm-hmm. I'm looking around. And it kind of begs the ultimate question here of like, Why does the cost of animation vary so much? So Why? Why, why, why? So whether this is their first project or their hundredth project, the problem kind of seems to persist across Mm -hmm. the industry and prices might even change for studios over time Mm -hmm. as they start to grow and scale. Mm -hmm. So we realize that as a person that is paying for these services, uh, you might not understand what is affected by the cost of an animated production, Mm -hmm. what goes into it. Or how cost connects to what creative tasks are required to complete that work. And there's also costs here that are associated with really the perception of the value mm. that we're providing for that service.
0: Mm. Yeah. You know, I actually just thought of it. Yeah. Um, the ping pong table is for research. It's oh, a research based table. Yes.
1: <laughs> you're telling me that you're trying to justify that cost of a ping pong table.
0: I really for need research. to know like how the ball bounces back and forth. Like I can't come up with that on my own. I can't just watch reference footage. Sure. I need to play (laughs) ping pong.
1: Let me sign that check. (laughs) (laughs) So why don't you tell me maybe what are are creatives going through here in relation to cost?
0: Yeah. So from the creatives point of view, I think it's important to highlight that uh, the, the idea of the typical hiring structure that we're talking about. So if you're a freelancer working with a creative studio, you have a specific type of problem. You you as a creative might be thinking about reevaluating your pricing structure or reevaluating how you price out your work, right? And you might ask yourself some questions. What is a good rate? How do I charge for my services? Is there a magic formula? Does anyone know it? Can they give it to me? Mm-hmm. <laughs> what is the the what is a, what is a healthy balance between my client's needs and my artistic identity? Mm-hmm. Right. There's, in terms
1: of that cost. yeah. In terms of that cost.
0: If you're a creative studio being hired by a business or a marketing firm or a, a larger entity, you might also have similar issues when it comes to determining costs. Right. Like, a lot of those questions I could relate to as a studio. Exactly. But there's some additional problems that arise when you start to ask them. So. Do I need to hire out for specific roles? Do I need to hire out for specific creative tasks? Can we achieve everything sort of internally as as a studio with the people who we have as employees? Are we also considering any other kinds of costs? Are there managerial costs or directorial costs or how much should it cost to provide this sort of structure and guidance to the individual creatives or for the particular marketing firm Mm -hmm. that we take on? Does it also cost any more to align your goals to our creative strategies? There's something around expertise there that also adds an added value, a perceived added value, that that you might be thinking about. Sure. That's fair. So. The other question might be like, "What? What about a disc golf set instead of a ping pong table?" Oh, um, I see. <laughs> right, I'll you're compromising. You're here. compromising. I'm just I, trying to get something. Uh, you know, it's, it's been really nice out, so I, mm-hmm. maybe I'm thinking about going outside instead. Mm. Uh,
1: <laughs> More research here. I see. Yes, exactly. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, why don't we get into our usual structure here? As yep. always, we try to bring up the problem. From the point of view of the marketer communications professional and a point of view from a creative. So yeah. we assign roles here. Yeah. Uh, who are you taking today?
0: Today, I can be the marketer. Okay. Let's go with Fair that.
1: enough. Yeah. I will serve the role of the creative, but cool. marketer, take it away.
0: Okay. So from the marketer's perspective, <laughs> we can look at this from sort of four different angles, if you, mm-hmm. if you, if you kind of think about it that way. So, so there's an emotional standpoint. Let's go there first. Let's talk about our, our emotions. Um, Happy to do that. <laughs> one yeah. of the one of the biggest problems is I don't know if I'm being overcharged mm-hmm. as a marketer, right? I I am someone who maybe is skeptical, and I don't want to be taken advantage of, especially my lack of knowledge in this in this realm, yeah, right? That's fair. Because when I look at these costs, it, it can create a little bit more confusion than I than I'm used to. Mm-hmm. Um, there are more complications there, and then. I start to lose trust a little bit in who those people, like, why does this person have this number and why do you have this other number? So, that,
1: so much sports equipment in this yeah. estimate. What are,
0: what are these disc golf sets? Right. That, there's right. 12 of these now. What is going <laughs> on? It just keeps on? expanding. On the logical side, maybe I wasn't aware that there's no set standard for charging for these services. Yeah. That is the truth, by the way. Mm-hmm. There is no set standard for charging for these services. And there's no pricing like cheat sheet that I can go and look at because everyone's pricing is different. And as a result, I don't know exactly what I'm paying for. Not really, right? The third way I think I'm viewing this is sort of for my wants and needs. That's sort of a bucket there. I wanna understand animation costs because it will make my life easier, Mm -hmm. right? Especially if I'm thinking about doing future animations, right? I want to keep doing these things. And I want to understand costs as it relates to my campaign, because this is both for myself, maybe I'm working for agency or someone else, another business, maybe I'm a marketer at an agency and I'm working with a business. My clients and I all kind of see the same thing is we calculate value based on the return. It's what am I, what, what I going to get for the return? What's the return? And that's something that I can concretely calculate, right? I spent this amount of money on animation and I'm getting this much money in return. And usually that's what businesses are looking for. That's what marketers are trying to do. Um, so all of this means that I'm not really receiving the information that will help me justify the cost of the project, right? right. It means I'm feeling I'm taking more and more risks and I don't, I don't like taking risks. Right. I like to be sure about what I'm going to get. So, you know, in this case, more risk does not equal more reward.
1: It could be considered a bit of a, you know, risky business.
0: Cue the piano. Somebody call Tom Cruise.
1: <laughs> Somebody call Let's Tom Cruise. Let's get our Cruise. socks on. <laughs> Mr. Cruise. <laughs> we need you. <laughs>
0: we need you, Cruise, yeah. <laughs> to swing in, swing in here. There you go. <laughs> uh, so why don't we keep cruising along?
1: <laughs> nice. Nice. That's a solid one. I'll give and, you that. <laughs> uh, we'll go
0: to the creative's point of view.
1: Sure. Okay. The, the first perspective here that we're covering is freelancers that are being hired by those creative studios or production companies. So again, kind of thinking about it from an emotional place to start. Emotionally, I wanna provide the best creative possible that Mm -hmm. I can give to a studio Mm -hmm. because I wanna be able to not only survive in the industry, I wanna be able to thrive, especially in a gig economy. And I also realize that my work, if it's done correctly, provides more value to what I make on the project overall and that all makes sense. So logically, I might try to charge as much as it possibly can because as a freelancer, jobs come and go, mm-hmm. right? That's the nature of the business in a, in a way. So I am consistently thinking about where my job is going to come from next and keeping my eye out on my cash flow overall. But even if I charge a market rate here, I understand that the value in the medium of animation just like art is pretty subjective, Mm. right? It's subjective to the person that's purchasing the project and the person that's creating the project. So all of this puts a strain on what it is that I actually want, which is I want to be able to create endlessly on my (laughs) own time and my own schedule (laughs) and get paid for that. Forever. What a concept, right? (laughs) To be able to do that. And so I know I need to keep an eye on my time because the time and expenses are actually the concrete costs like you were talking about before that I can actually see and calculate out. So my struggle in this situation is really trying to find a happy balance between my time, my needs, (laughs) my rates, and my costs overall. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: And I think a lot of studios can relate to these feelings as well.
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: But there are some slight differences in there in terms of emotions and logic, wants and needs. Right. Uh, maybe, Maybe let's break that down.
1: For sure. Yeah, yeah. So on the studio side, similar to a freelancer, right? We know there's a ton of value into what goes into making that production, right? And if we're doing it right, our success will dictate your success, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mr. Marketer. Mm -hmm. Uh, So how you define success within your campaign or your other efforts is kind of a whole other question here. Mm -hmm. And we're going to cover the ROI of animated videos in another episode. Yeah,
0: we'll kind of walk through how we think about that.
1: Yeah, Uh, yeah. But at least for now, let's think about this a little bit differently. There's also more value to what we provide as a studio than just that finished product alone, mm -hmm. right? Than just the video you're asking us for. It's the experience that you the client are going to be getting from us, Mm. the knowledge that you gain from us about the industry and about animation, the creative choices that we're making as a studio and our application of your strategy for the content that Mm. you're making. And even on top of that, our approach to developing that content, how Mm. do we make it? (laughs) It's generally our total collaboration here that makes the visuals work for your goals. Mm. So we're always thinking about that stuff. Yeah, And so logically, a lot of studios are trying to charge based on the value they believe they're providing to you and your business. And simultaneously, they're also trying to keep their costs lower, (laughs) right? Mm -hmm. That's the nature of business. And it's because they're trying to keep their profits high, just like any business would do. Big profit typically means bigger revenue and lower expenses. Studios, though, might be a bit more open to negotiation Mm. on that front because we know that flexibility is required within animation productions. There are lots of creative choices that you can make that reduce the amount of labor required to complete a project, right? Mm -hmm. So we expect both sides needing to compromise here to find a balance between the value, the cost, and the time overall.
0: And especially as technology grows and changes. Right it allows for some of those things to be actually faster.
1: Yeah. Um, Yeah. And so all of this kind of goes actually against what a studio actually wants, which is like a a little bit frustrating at times, but it's because a studio wants similarly to the freelancer to provide the best creative possible that mm -hmm. we can for your project, which means we might actually be seeking more time to work on the project to mm. up the quality, and but this can be dependent on many different factors, like how much you actually paid for it. That determines the time a little yeah, bit. Yeah, your budget. Uh, and even how the project is being managed overall. Mm-hmm. I think at some point we'll get into an episode about project management. Oh
0: yeah, for sure. And, and we'll actually have someone on to talk about project management for well. sure. Yeah. for sure. Yeah,
1: yeah, because it's really it's safe to say that poorly managed creative projects usually cost everyone more. Mm. You hate to see it. It's either in both dollars or like just emotional stress. That is true. (laughs) That's a very real thing. Uh, (laughs) But yeah, so since we're on a schedule, like alongside the other productions, as a studio, we have to keep a watchful eye on our time to make sure that each project is actually viable for us. Mm -hmm. And that's regardless of the length of the production overall. We could be in production for either a week, a month, or even years, Mm -hmm. if it it goes down that road Mm -hmm. and like you, we're all running a business, right? Let's keep that on the page. We're all running a business. So viability and sustainability means more profitability. And in order for our business to grow, we have to factor profit into the equation. It's it's just a natural part. Yeah, throw
0: it in there.
1: So a big question here is how do we make sure that as creatives that we're charging fairly for both our time Mm. and for the work requested? How do both sides understand and acknowledge all of that for determining what a fair cost should even be? Mm -hmm. But thankfully, you know, not to get everybody sad here, we do have a few solutions (laughs) (laughs) to figuring out some of these
0: questions. Um, Yeah, and so the the answer to answering those questions is actually to ask more questions to get the right answers.
1: Oh, well, look at that. (laughs) What a tongue twister, yes. (laughs) So
0: instead of telling you what to expect to pay for animation, Mm Here are some common questions we've received from our clients that we'd like to answer here to get your brain juices flowing a little bit. Sure. (laughs) Gotta get those creative juices on. They Uh, do say that, yeah. So why do costs vary so much across the industry? Here, it is. There are many factors. So the first factor that we can think of is the complexity of the project, Mm -hmm. right? So the tasks required to complete your project are typically dependent on the style requested. The main driver... Of cost is actually style. A lot of people think of length. They think of other things. It's style.
1: Can style, you can you say it again style one more time for me? Ma-
0: style is the main driver of cost. Beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. <laughs> and style is so. We already talked about. It, I hate that word. Uh, motion style, visual style. That's how right. we break it up. There's two different sort of sections of things that you should look at, and those are going to drive what tasks need to happen. Right. So there are different steps in a production workflow all required to produce a different stylistic output. Mm-hmm. And each of those steps takes a certain amount of time.
1: Can you right. give me an example of that?
0: Um, yeah. An example is, and I use this a lot with a lot of my calls when I'm doing a sales call and we're talking through a project with someone, a 30-second Pixar-style animated film or, okay. or short. I'm or picturing thing, it. Right? Yep. So what do we call Pixar style Mm -hmm. it's 3D it is typically realistic lights cameras shaders materials Mm -hmm. it's character animation for the most part it's it's driven by character animation there's you know probably some some uh, custom sound work in there sure so all of those things Pixar style quality 30 seconds we're good to go Mm -hmm. now if I say okay what does it cost to do a 30 second animated text based typography piece okay Okay, well, I'm
1: picturing, yeah, <laughs> that's an
0: entirely different cost. Same <laughs> yeah. length, same 30 seconds. It mm-hmm. might even be the same story, to mm-hmm. be honest, right? We're still sort of putting out the same message. Right. But one's all text and one requires 3D character animation and some other things. And so same length, different costs, different styles. Right. The other bucket, um, I know that was a big one, but another bucket is talent and experience on the job. So are you hiring the top 1% of the industry? Do mm. they have 30 plus years of experience? And that's fine. Yeah. Y- you can hire the best of the best, but they come at a cost, right? Mm-hmm. And you can hire the worst of the worst and they also come at a different cost. Right, right. So <laughs> it, it, it just varies on on who you're hiring. And that's a big one. That's a big value add. When mm-hmm. you have someone on the team that's had a lot of experience, that's going to drive up costs. Right. Did you book Taylor Swift or did you book the much lesser known Swift T?
1: Oh, Swift T, yeah. the... Uh- the tea enthusiast pop singer.
0: That's right. I think, um, I don't know if you know their hit song.
1: No, please tell me.
0: Yes. I love a you so matcha.
1: Boy. Yeah. Boy. <laughs> <laughs> That's not good. I feel, like, I feel like a better one would be like Game Set Matcha. Oh, nice. Yeah. Nice.
0: Going back to the tennis and outdoor. Yeah, activities. yeah.
1: If we're thinking yeah, about the yeah, sports yeah. idea here.
0: <laughs> God, Swift Tea. Okay. <laughs> Another bucket of things that you should consider here, the scale of the production. How big is the thing? So the more elements, the more deliverables, the more stuff you have to create, obviously the more work it'll be. We're talking about people, we're talking about time, we're talking about expenses. Mm. Those things will scale. If you have one video with one objective, that's a very different scope than a years long project with several hundred videos, maybe hundreds of assets across different channels. Maybe there's some animated posts, some shorts, some clips, some videos, several graphics packages for your live action stuff. Like there's a whole slew of things. That would you like create. to
1: add fries to that? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes Who I wouldn't? Would. Yeah,
0: truffle fries. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Another big bucket is production timeline. So the schedule somewhat determines cost based on the classic supply and demand rules, right? So mm-hmm. In a way, you're fighting for priority of the project. So especially in a studio environment where there's multiple projects going on at once, typically there will be rush charges if you have to bump someone off or if you're trying to take priority over someone else's time. So there's some demand-side costs there that you might not see coming. You know, if you wanted this project yesterday, it is assumed that you're willing to pay for yesterday for a time machine Mm -hmm. to get there. Sure. (laughs) The last bucket here is location and overhead. So is the company you're working with remote or is it the penthouse suite of a skyscraper in Times Square?
1: (laughs) Very big differences.
0: This is becoming less relevant as people are moving away from big cities, moving into more rural areas, working from home. Uh, a big disturbance in the force there, you know, So they might keep pricing high depending on their value that they see regardless of their cost of where they are. So, and neither work environment is better or worse than the other. It's just how you are, the position that you're in. Different costs based on how the studio is set up basically.
1: Right, right. So, you know, right now we're remote. We are. But in the future, I would like to propose that our studio is in the cloud cloud. So I'm sorry. Yeah. So it's in the cloud cloud, the cloud cloud. So it's in the cloud, but it's actually like 15 to 30,000 feet up in the air Uh in the clouds. That's where the future of technology and workplace environments Mm. will go.
0: You know how this climate change. Factor into that, like are we moving it's with a good question. the currents? Is right, that- <laughs> <laughs> I don't it's know. It's
1: kind gonna of
0: seriously alter our delivery. There's gonna be schedule. a lot going on there. There's yeah, gonna
1: yeah. be a lot of aerial yoga.
0: Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. nice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay.
1: <laughs> <laughs> right. So let me get into some other questions to consider here. Yeah. So another big question is, what should I actually be looking for? in an estimate, a bid, or a quote. Yeah,
0: what are some concrete things we can look at? Yeah,
1: yeah. and keeping in mind those, those words can all mean the same thing, so
0: just... Estimate, quote, bid. Yeah. yeah.
1: So the goal of the estimate or quote or bid <laughs> is to be able to do a bit of comparison shopping between mm-hmm. them, right? And while we can't tell you how to actually compare, we can guide you in what we as creatives believe is relevant to the value of the production overall. So... Here's what we think you should look for. The first is scope and schedule summary. The studio should Mm. provide you with some kind of summary of your goals for the project and the estimated time to completion. That way, everyone is on the same page about what to expect.
0: Mm.
1: It's also the studio's job to factor in feedback and revision time into their estimated total that's required to finish the project. Mm. So there's no extra surprises later. Yeah. Yeah. Because you never wanted to run into that. A second thing to look out for is the animation style we were talking a little bit about earlier. Mm. In the estimate, you should expect to see some kind of breakdown of style. They'll likely show you a lot of their own work to convince you that they can do the the task that's required, but you should look deeper into seeing if they've described their workflow or their style in any particular way. What's their approach to that style? Mm. If a company doesn't have examples of any specific styles, they might actually instead show references from other animation studios or different places or other videos that they've seen that closely resemble what you're looking for because there are times where studios can do the work but maybe they just haven't been given that opportunity yet. Mm-hmm. So, oh, you know, it's it comes with its own set of risk there. Another thing to consider here is resources. Asking the question like what specific tools or software or resources are required to complete any of the work on your piece? And an even bigger question here is who is actually responsible for paying for that? Mm. (laughs) Right. An example here is like when we work with clients, we often find that if they require us to work with something like stock footage, uh, then we have to take that cost into account in our estimate Because stock can get very expensive very quickly.
0: (laughs) Depends on how big the project is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, Getty Images is making bank.
1: (laughs) Yeah, so we might also, on top of that, need to actually develop new tools and different tech to complete that project Mm. in the way you're asking for it. So that might incur some charges as well. And ultimately, the idea here is that a summary of... All of those resources should be included in the estimate. You Mm. should be able to see that somewhere.
0: Yeah. So speaking of resources, maybe, maybe a compromise is to have someone buy the frisbees and maybe some someone else buys like the disc golf set, like the actual
1: Oh, so instead of incurring the whole cost on one side, you split the cost. Split the cost. Yeah. Teamwork. (laughs) Trying
0: to get to that golf, that disc golf net.
1: Right. We're gonna have some kind of sporting (laughs) thing soon.
0: Yeah, we picked disc golf.
1: Right, not the coolest of all sports. Or
0: football. We're in Massachusetts. <laughs> now, come on. Okay. Last two things to look for here inside of an estimate or uh, a bid or a quote mm-hmm. or whatever you want to call it. Obviously, the cost breakdown. Yeah. So the biggest question we get is like, where is my money going? Right. What, what am I paying for? Cost breakdown will show you how your dollars get allocated to different parts of the production. And sometimes it'll show you a specific stage. Other times it'll show you specific steps within that stage, depending on what, what needs to happen. So it's a great opportunity to learn and ask about the workflow at that time. If a studio doesn't have the breakdown of costs, that's a really big red flag. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Prop see. comedy will live forever. Wow.
1: I have made a flag for a our audio flag. listeners. <laughs>
0: that's a decent flag.
1: It's good. Anytime we have a red flag now, I'm going to wow. wave our flag.
0: Yes. Wow. <laughs> Eventually, we're gonna have a ton of props <laughs> on the show. Perfect. <laughs> for audio listeners, she's waving a big red flag. Yes. Made out of what did
1: you make that out of? A manila folder.
0: A manila folder. A red. A manila red manila folder. 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 Nice. I guess
1: manila's yellow. It was just a red folder.
0: You ruined a red folder. <laughs> I a did. perfectly good folder to make a flag. Nice. Good, good for it. you. Last bucket here <laughs> is revisions and changes. While it might take a team a single day to work on, say, a storyboard or something like that. That doesn't typically include the extra time needed to make changes or revisions on your feedback based on that. So Mm. revisions are always always handled sort of differently across studios. Some factor it as an overall percentage of time. Some limit the number of revisions. Some schedule out a certain number of hours. Some do unlimited revisions. I've seen that in different Mm, places. mm -hmm. Um, Their approach should be included in the estimate. So they're not surprising you with just any additional costs, right? Yeah. Um, I think for as many people who like surprises, there is an equal number of people who hate surprises. That's true. Um, So.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's fair, yeah. But yeah, yeah, I think that's it. Okay, Hopefully this
0: episode gave you a better way to look at estimates and just be prepared for uh, thinking about that
1: stuff. Yeah, that way you're not overwhelmed by the process there. Yeah,
0: so let's get into the tease.
1: Yeah. In the next episode, we're dropping another hack. Uh, so we'll go over some quick questions to avoid when asking for an estimate, mm. which is actually really, really helpful. Practicing I think.
0: some active avoidance. I, yeah. think <laughs> I
1: think that's important.
0: That's fair. Uh, a big thank you to eMedia for producing this podcast. As Our producer always. is Jackson Foote. Our music was created by Hidden and licensed through premiumbeat.com. And until next time. Ooh,
1: stay honest.
0: Stay creative. Stay open. Thank you so much for listening. You could have spent this time with anyone else and really appreciate you being here.
1: Yeah, see you in the next episode.
0: Yeah. Audio listeners, stick around for a bad idea.
1: Hello, audio <laughs> listeners, and I'll welcome with my
0: yeah. to the
1: bad idea of the day. <laughs> Brought it's to looming. you by OpenPixel Studios. Where? where? I'm what, not sure. W- I'm. I was, where are we? <laughs> I'm not sure what time period we're in yet. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> All transport right. So to today we have a fun
0: one for you. Uh, nice.
1: Basically, you know, we know escape rooms are hot right now.
0: Right, You know, they were hot. I don't know if they're still hot.
1: They're always hot. (laughs) I mean, it's getting hotter. Yeah. Yeah. They're they're blowing up. Yeah. So why not take that innovation of an escape room and bring it to another
0: location? I think the idea here when we came up with it was how far can we take it?
1: (laughs) Yeah. How far can we go with an escape room? (laughs) So uh, introducing our newest escape room, Escape the Boat. Escape the boat. Yes. Like, so, uh this would start out. I want I want you to picture the audio listener. is an, an escape
0: the, room on a boat.
1: Well, yes, but hold on, I'm getting there. <laughs> so, picture yourself. You're going on vacation, right? You're mm-hmm. going to some nice place, an mm-hmm. island, perhaps, mm-hmm. uh, and you're out on a pier mm-hmm. in a rather touristy area, sure, sure, right? Sure. 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 You know, a lot of times they'll try to sell you with like pamphlets on like a potential cruise you can go on right. for a day or things like that. Yeah. This is a little bit different. So, a small boat. -hmm. Is going to take you from that touristy pier Mm -hmm. to the main boat Mm -hmm. out on the sea. And you have one hour to escape before it sinks.
0: Before (laughs) you die, relax. uh, (laughs) Ah, you you need it. Yeah,
1: you you will have an hour to escape and also raft back to shore. This is the
0: most expensive (laughs) escape the room. (laughs) Well, so I was thinking about
1: this. We can cut costs by having a uh, a mechanism that can always raise and lower Uh, the boat so that it yeah so that it can be repeated. So it's not a one time.
0: It's not just the boat just doesn't sink. It sinks, but then like if you don't. Make it. You're just. I mean, you you get a life jacket. Yeah, uh, and yeah. Just, you have to swim back to shore.
1: <laughs> right. But they, you do have to sign a waiver, though, at the beginning. Oh, absolutely. absolutely.
0: <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. But yeah. so it sinks. If you don't make it, you mm-hmm. just swim back with your life jacket. Like, yeah, yeah. You know, we're gonna be talking to someone. This is way off topic. Okay. Of. It's not really. We're gonna be talking to someone who we have did some work for about paddling safety. You so know, that's true. That's we true. could. We could. Uh, ask her about that. Right. Right. Uh, we'll
1: see if she'll buy our, our great <laughs> product idea here. So, you know, if you're an investor and you're thinking about mm. a new innovative escape room idea, it's
0: intense. contact us. It's intense. <laughs> yeah. Right. So then it'll, then it'll fill with, with, I guess with it'll water, fill with air to raise it back up.
1: No, it's just a, it's just a mechanism. It's got little holes on the side. So the water drains out. Oh, it's, gotta,
0: it's gotta feel real. The, I want to sink the ship. Like,
1: <laughs> you know who we have to talk to, as much as I wouldn't want to, James Cameron. we got to figure oh, out. He
0: would definitely know how to sink the right? ship.
1: And he's got the money behind oh it. God, James Cameron, true. if you're interested.
0: <laughs> We've got this great idea for you. Uh,
1: yeah. Let us know at some us. point, audio listeners, if there's ever a bad idea that you feel as so confident that we could pitch to Shark Tank. Or James uh, Cameron. Or James Cameron, one of the two. Yeah. Uh, definitely let us know. But as always, thank you for listening. Thank you for listening. And we'll talk to you soon.
0: See ya.